It's Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We're about to get into our Bible study. Before we do, we are going to have another question for our quiz. That's right. 500 points. What prophet went through an earthquake only to learn that God spoke in a gentle whisper? Wow, that seems like a big unnecessary step to get to your... uh, Final destination in that sense, but zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. For 400 points, you can win a book from our selection of bargain books, or you can get those points on the board and continue to work your way through the quiz. But again, that question was, what prophet went through an earthquake only to learn that God spoke in a gentle voice, a still small voice? All right, let's have a look at what you had to say this morning, and we've got a bunch of text messages here. We'll get through a bunch of them now, we'll mm-hmm. spread them out a little bit, but let's begin with this one, the Consent of Minors Bill. Now we're talking. It's a, it is a criminal behaviour, and the perpetrators should be jailed. Common sense and true morality. Hooray for Alabama. Yes. So well done, guys. And then it says, keep up with uh, the news you bring to your listeners, Niall. How many radio stations in Australia push the issues that you raise? Not many. And the reason for that is that there are not many who are pushing news from a Christian perspective. Mm. Uh, most of them are pushing news from a secular perspective. And, of course, that is the going to give you news that is going to promote the opposite of Christianity. Yeah, most of them are giving you news from a monetary perspective. Right, that's right. Because <laughs> it's, it's commercial it radio. <laughs> and a commercial radio, you get paid by appeasing sponsors. So. Yes, it indeed. <laughs> um, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, normal people start to feel abnormal in our world. Mm. Because a normal person doesn't want to have a conversation with a five-year-old about sex. Amen. A normal person knows that it is stupid for a biological male to compete against a biological female. Mm -hmm. Normal people know this. The problem is they get bombarded with the opposite view so much in the media that they start to question whether they're actually normal or not. Mm. I'd like to encourage you. You are normal. You have a brain. You have common sense. Mm -hmm. There is no great rocket science involved in this. These are things that we have all known since we were toddlers. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, for those of us not affected by the floods, let us consider our blessings. I can't even imagine how they are coping. What's unbelievable is that many insurance companies are rejecting their claims. That's a fact. Uh, an acquaintance of ours just moved into a new house six weeks before the floods and his house was just about destroyed. The insurance company wow. won't help him and he's feeling suicidal. That is tough. Ooh, that's tough. Praise the Lord for family and friends who is helping him and his family. Praise mm. the people and agencies who help them. Let us remember them in our prayers. And this is one of the things you'll find on a tremendous amount of insurance in insurance fine print is that they won't cover you for floods, Mm. particularly if you live in a flood zone. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you need to look at that insurance very, very carefully. And, of course, you know, these houses that have been flooded multiple times now, it's unlikely that they're ever going to be able to either get insurance or afford the insurance Mm. if they can get the insurance. And so it's a terrible situation. Uh, this one says, yeah, I'm not sure what this one's got to do with, but anyway, it says, a friend of mine who just told me yesterday that his rent has been increased by $100 per week. Um, that's 400 a month. I wonder how many people are going through the same problem. They're already paying over 500 a week. What will happen to all the renters and owners when interest rates go up? The Reserve Bank is talking about a five five rate increases this year. It's a very worrying situation. Yeah. Interest rates kind of need to go up though, right? 
because if they don't go up, then you have inflation, and it, and then that can turn into hyperinflation, and inflation is worse than increased interest rates. It's a balancing act. That's right. In which the the Reserve Bank and the government basically <laughs> rides a bucking bronco and tries to keep it under some kind of <laughs> control. The problem is what it really comes down to is printing of money and mass spending. That's right. Now, we don't have the problem they have in the United States, Do thankfully. <laughs> the US is just terrifying. Like, it, it will be because since the GFC, they have been lending printing, money. Printing money. Um, with zero interest rates. And so now they need to increase the interest rates to stop inflation. And if they do, like literally all these companies will crash. So, wow. I know that we're not an ec- economic, uh, no, we're not an, economic, <laughs> we're not an economic, economic show, but it's, it is quite scary. And I think it does line up with what we see taking place in, in Bible prophecy. I think particularly of like James chapter five, you know, where we see it's like, you know, weep now, you know, those who have stored up their riches, you know, now that you've seen that they're, they're moth-eaten and, and whatnot. Like, yeah, oh, that's scary. It is scary stuff. It really, really is scary stuff. Uh, and, yeah, I, 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 who knows what the future holds. Mm. All I know is, well, actually, I do know what the future holds. The future holds Jesus. Amen. Jesus is coming back. Depend on him. Like, right. there we go. Lose your house. Don't worry about it. Jesus is coming back. <laughs> My friends, I am poor, but I am alive today because God is good. I've lived without a house before. I can do it again. <laughs> yes. Dude, that's awesome. And uh, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus says that we can abide under the shadow of the mm-hmm. mighty. That's all we need to uh-huh. know at this particular time. So Amen. praise God for that. Mm-hmm. All right, we are in the story of Cain and Abel this week. What an amazing story to be looking into. What a tragic story to be looking mm. into. We're going to begin in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4 today. Mm-hmm. So Hebrews chapter 11, we're going back to some very familiar territory here. Okay. Hebrews 11, we've read this before. Let's read it again and let's talk about it. So many things we can talk about here as we work our way through our Bible study. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 4, the Bible says, It was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was righteous. He was a righteous man, and God showed approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by the uh, example of his faith. Okay, so... um the, you know, when we look at when we look at Abel here, uh-huh. we're looking at his faith. Uh-huh. Now, when we compare that with Cain, and we say, okay, and we talked about this yesterday, Cain brought something that was special to him. Uh-huh. So Cain brought something he put his own blood, sweat, and tears into. Mm. Maybe we don't know the full. But let's let's mm. say that he let's say that he did. Mm. But was it an act of faith? Mm. No, it was an act of works. Because he was saying, "This is something that is meaningful to me. This is something that I have created. This is something that I have done." Mm-hmm. Why did Why did Cain? Why did Abel bring a more perfect sacrifice? Because he acted in faith. He said, "Well, God said this, therefore I will do it, even though I may not fully understand it." Mm. Cain could have said, "Well, I will do this, even though it's no great sacrifice for me. I don't understand why God would want a lamb, but I will do this because God said so." Mm-hmm. And that's faith. This is the difference between faith and works. And we talked yesterday how this is a great illustration of the Sabbath. So often I have people come to me, Christians come to me and say, you know, because you keep the Sabbath, that's all about works. It's like, no, I keep the Sabbath because God asked me to keep the Sabbath. That's right. And I love God. And when you love somebody, you do what they ask. You don't have to question everything. Mm. You don't. 
You know, now I know the reasons why Mm -hmm. we can question. There's no problem with questioning. But first and foremost, if you're going to act in faith, you just do it. Mm -hmm. You don't stand back and say, well, you know, I think it might be better off to do it that way. That's not faith. Mm -hmm. You don't stand back and say, well, Sunday is more convenient for me because everybody else goes to church on Sunday. That's not faith. Mm -hmm. Faith is God said it, so therefore... I'll do that. That's faith. <laughs> yeah, I, and this is something that we chatted about, particularly when we observed, you know, Hebrews, and we're talking about faith and what the, what it looks like, and ultimately, you know, and essentially, like uh, for for people living this experience, and like for someone like Abel, and I think for many of us who have had an experience with God, we have the personal and also you know the objective evidence to know that following what God says is the thing that we should do. We know that it's right. You know, we're we're not talking about like just yeah. Blind faith, just just doing things for no reason. Um, but it's like, yeah, because of the way that God's led in the past um, and because of the evidence that we have, we know that if there are things that confront us um, that might see, seem counterintuitive to the best way to go, but we know that it's God telling us and that God loves us and cares about us, um, well, then we would do it. 100%. And it's like, because we have faith in God because he is God, because of what he has already done, because of the evidence that he has already given, given to us. Just like, I don't know, I, I hope those listening out there, if you're in marital relationships, you trust your spouse when they tell you to do things that you might find odd and awkward. Now, they're people and you can't trust them all the time and with everything and you can see the downfalls of that taking place sometimes because people do evil and terrible things. But not God. <laughs> so we trust him. We follow him. We let him tell us what to do. And that's what faith is because we love him and we know that he loves us. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay. Now, of course, God did have a very good reason why he told them to bring a lamb because the lamb obviously is a symbol of his death on Calvary. Yes. And the lamb, you know, is perfectly innocent and helpless mm-hmm. and it symbolizes Jesus as being 100% innocent. Yes. And plants are evil. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking around. <laughs> Where did that come from? Okay. <laughs> uh, so we've, you know, clearly Abel is acting in faith, but Mm -hmm. there is an important object lesson there for us. And, of course, in the death of the lamb, you've got a symbol of, a much better symbol of the cause of sin. You know, when a plant dies, you can can recognize this is the result of sin. Mm -hmm. But when you take the life of an animal, that's a very visceral experience. Yeah, 100%. Mm. And, you know, even more so for these people who were so close to creation at this particular Mm. time. Let's look at a couple of verses here. Micah chapter 6 and verse 7. Let's go there. Micah. Chapter 6 and verse 7. Uh, the Bible says here, Should we offer him thousands of rams or 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Okay. So then if a lamb is a symbol of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, uh-huh. is, it a, is, it a, is it a situation of the more the better? Um. Well... I think that's what, like, Micah is asking here. He's asking a very valid question, isn't he? He's like, oh, well, if I just give you more stuff, does that mean more to you? Like, is that good enough? If I just give you more stuff, like, does that make God, does that make you feel more pleased with me and more special? Like, am I a better person? That, that's it, because why, why do you think Micah might ask this question? 
Uh, well, I think like you know, um, Micah is a Jew. Yes, surrounded you know by non-Jews, and yes. who the the way that they worship God is that they they have come to the conclusion that you know quantity over quality. The more stuff we give God, well, quantity and quality. If we just give God more good stuff then he will bless us more. You know, if if I want the rain god to give me a good amount of rain for my crops to, you know, grow because that's going to be my livelihood, well, then why don't I just, like, sacrifice my child? Like, if I sacrifice my son, um, surely then the rain god would know I'm pretty serious about following him and he'd hook me up with a good harvest. And this is very true, and this is one of the, this is where, you know, this, this mindset ends up. Mm-hmm. When you have an appeasement kind of a model where... You have to be appeasing God all yeah, the time. Wow. An appeasement model will always end up with human sacrifice. That's right. Because what more could we give? Yeah. You know, and then, and then at that point it's like, but it, I, I think it's so interesting that you still see the so clearly the hints of selfishness in there uh, because even though it's a human sacrifice, you're not sacrificing your own life. You're sacrificing the life of someone else. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is good enough. This is big enough. Like, if you were really, really serious. And the reason that you're sacrificing somebody else is so that your life is better. That's right. So you can reap the benefits. Yes. So ultimately, like, if we, you know, we can talk about, like, human sacrifice. It, like, it is the number one sacrifice. It is, like, the top and optimal sacrifice to sacrifice your children. It is the optimal sacrifice for someone who is totally caught up in self. For someone who like either thinks or is part of a religious system that is all about self, um, but the reality is, is like we don't need to appease God because there's nothing that we could possibly do to add anything to God's value or existence or whatever. You know, we you know, what are we going to feed God with these ten thousand rivers of olive oil? What are we going to we're going to feed God with these lambs? No way! Like it's not it's not about Him. Uh, it's actually it's actually about us. It's actually about doing, you know, what's best for us. Okay, let's go to Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 11. Let's read what it says over here. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 11. Um, oh, I mean 11 and, and verse It kind of answers one. the question that Micah has asked right here. Uh-huh. answers it quite well. So Micah chapter 1 and verse, sorry, Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 11. And this is God speaking, and he says, What makes you think I want all your sacrifices, says the Lord? I am sick of your burnt offerings of ram and the fat of your fattened calves. I get no pleasure from the blood of bulls or lambs or goats. So isn't this a contradiction? Isn't God just contradicting himself where, it, where God has said to Cain and Abel, you need to bring a lamb as a sacrifice, and here he's saying, don't bring a I sacrifice. I don't even want it. Don't want it. What's going on here? Um, yeah, well, it seems like the Bible's contradicting itself. Okay. Interesting. I'm asking the question. <laughs> You're asking, yeah. I wanted to answer. ask you the question, Lyle, but you can ask me the question and I'll give you the answer. And I think, I think the answer is ultimately like death is bad. Yes. Death is terrible. Like yes. no one wants death, including no. God. Yes. In fact, God more than anyone else in this world has proved that he is so anti-death. And how can he prove it? Well, he died once for everyone. Like That's right. Himself. He's experienced it. Yeah. He like himself has died died he he values the fact that we have the ability not to die he values our ability not to die so to choose salvation more than his own life so he died um and ultimately like these sacrifices are are supposed to be a sacred 
symbol of that. If they mean anything else, like if you're sacrificing from any other motive than acknowledging what God has done by giving everything for you, then it's not a sacrifice for God. It's it's not. It's a sacrifice for yourself. It's a sacrifice for someone else. But it's definitely not a sacrifice for God. And therefore, God doesn't care. Like, he doesn't want animals to die, but he knows that we need to see animals dying. Why? Because it's like, ultimately, it teaches us, God has done everything for us. And so, yeah, like, God, obviously, God doesn't take pleasure in death. Like, he created those animals. He loves those animals. He loves his people. He loves everyone. Uh, But he knows, like, okay, this needs to take place for the sake of the salvation of my people so that they know what they've done firstly because it's their fault that they need to sacrifice and secondarily what it's going to take to save them which is yeah so powerful stuff it is indeed it is indeed all right we need to move on in our bible so we're going to go back to genesis chapter four and we're going to look at the process that led cain to kill his brother wow okay let's uh read verses three to eight Uh, The Bible says in verse 3, When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best of his firstborn lambs and his flock. The Lord accepted Abel uh, and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you angry? The Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. One day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the field. That was verse 8. That was verse 8. I was was reading it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You've gone too far. No, no, no. This is verse 8. This is where he suggests. He's like, and while we were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel. And killed him. Okay, all right. So those, those, this is the this is the real tragic story that we've got right here. Uh-huh. Some really important lessons that we need to stop and look at, because basically God asks two questions. Um, there are two conditions that Cain goes through, and God gives Cain two options mm. uh, as a result of that. Okay, so so um, let's let's begin here in in verse three. The Bible says, "In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering." Um, in verse four, Abel also brought his offering. Uh, and verse 5, the Bible says that Cain, um, Cain's offering was not respected. But then give to us verse 6. In verse 6, it says, Why are you angry, the Lord asked Cain? Why do you look so dejected? Okay. So, and in my translation, it says, The Lord said unto Cain, Why are you angry, or why are you wroth, and why has your countenance fallen? Mm. So this is this is an interesting um to observe what is happening here, you've got two conditions that Cain experiences: mm-hmm. depression mm-hmm. and anger. Mm-hmm. And those two conditions can often go together. Mm-hmm. We find that so often, you know, when somebody snaps and does something crazy, mm-hmm. it's preceded by depression. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for depression. Some of them are, you know physical reasons, some of them are emotional reasons, and some of them are choices that we make. Mm. Okay, so Cain is dealing with depression right here. The Bible says his countenance has fallen. And the Bible says, why are you angry? Sin is lying at the door. Mm -hmm. Okay, so why does God say that? 
why does why does God say you know why, why are you angry for him and and you know isn't shouldn't it be obvious why Cain is angry? Yeah, well, but he's ultimately trying to get Cain to acknowledge like the fact that he's angry and trying to help him to not be angry. Okay, so if you were Cain at this particular point, uh, and you're going to answer this particular question, any answer you're going to give is going to sound kind of lame, isn't it? And it's going yeah. to expose yourself. Yeah, that's right. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It is the Breakfast Show, and we have five hundred point clue for the quiz, Lyle. What priestly garment did David use to ask God whether he should pursue the Amalekites who did who had kidnapped two of his wives? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer to that one, and you can win our five hundred point prize this morning, which is the book Outside the Gate by David. Edgren, let me just read the blurb on the back here. It says, based on the story of Acts 12, David Edgren imagines what it would have been like to become a member of the early Christian church. Written especially for independent readers, this book explores themes of belonging, faith, communion, and service in a way that appeals to the heart. It is perfect for family worship uh, with discussions, questions at the end of the book. This is a fantastic book for any of you young people. I'd say, I think I think you said like maybe from like 8 to 12 or family worship or whatever it may be. If you would love this book, 0491-064-669 is the number to call. Uh, and you just have to answer this question correctly, which is what priestly garment did David use to ask God whether he should pursue the Amalekites who had kidnapped his two wives? Okay, so we've got a text message coming through here talking about what we were uh, talking about earlier. It says, hyperinflation will hit the world in the next few years. You can't print trillions of dollars and not suffer the consequences. <laughs> the US has now 30 trillion national debt uh, the world debt is $281 trillion as of February 2021. Uh, according to Bloomberg, the world's GDP gross domestic, domestic product is $94 trillion. The world is in debt three times more than it produces. This doesn't include interest. We're in big trouble. That's why the global reset is imminent. Yeah, see, this is, this is how you avoid that, hyper, uh, avoid that hyperinflation. You raise the interest rates, all the companies crash, and we all start again anyway. So, so there we go. It's, it's, it's a very interesting world in which we live. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I noted, I think it was last year when everybody started talking about the global reset or the year before, mm-hmm. and people were setting dates. And like the global, global reset is going to happen on this particular date. Mm-hmm. I think it was somewhere in July or August or something or other. And, of course, that didn't happen. And so then they're like, no, 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 the world leaders have now decided that the global reset has been rescheduled and they gave a new date. Uh-huh. And, of course, the closer we got to that date, the more people went silent on it. Um. Here's what I see. I, I, I think that it's always very dangerous when people start setting dates for particular things to happen. Mm-hmm. And I believe it's very dangerous when people get very specific about what will happen. Mm-hmm. Now, I know what will happen and I can read to you what will happen. And I think there's a lot of really valid points here. I, I don't see how this you know, economic system can survive. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't. Yep. Uh, but let me read to you what will happen. Uh-huh. This is what we know will happen. Will it be a global reset? We don't know. Uh-huh. But this is what will happen. Uh-huh. James chapter 5 and verse 1, Go to now, you rich men, weep and howl for the miseries that have come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, your garments are moth-eaten, your gold and silver is worthless, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and mm-hmm. shall eat your flesh as it were with fire. You have heaped treasure together for, here comes the context, the last days. Mm. 
Behold, the hire of the laborers have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, cries out, and the cries of them which have reaped have entered into the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. You have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. You have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and killed the just, and he does not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, James goes on to say, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waits for the precious fruit of the earth and has long patience for it until he receives the early and the latter rain. Be patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws near. Mm. And so this is, there is no question this is a sign of the times. We haven't seen it yet, but you can certainly see how it is going to happen because it's one of the great faults of democracy is that you make very short-term plans because the only thing you plan for is to be re-elected. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and you could turn around and say, well, you know, what are your alternatives? Would you rather have a, you know, get rid of the democracy and... Um and and get rid of democracy and you will <coughs> excuse me fucking <coughs> <laughs> my throat right now and you'll have you know a dictatorship and that's worse I agree mm-hmm. that's worse but what you will notice is the dictatorships around the world and the totalitarian governments they are making plans you know fifty to a hundred years into the future because they can mm-hmm. you can't do that with a democracy you can only make plans for winning the next election mm-hmm. and it's one of the you know. Every system has its faults, mm-hmm. and this is one of them. And what does the Bible say here? The Bible says, Your gold and silver is cankered, your riches have come to nothing. That's hyperinflation. Mm. Right there. You know, it's a perfect, James 5 is a perfect description of hyperinflation. Why can't we just have a government and an, a, you know, a, a, an economic system that just appeases me? Like, that's all I want. I would vote for you if you just did what I just wanted. Just give me money, right? Just, just give, give me-, me money, just make me rich, and just do what I want, and then I'll vote for you, okay? There's all these politics, all this back and forth. Man, if you just did what I wanted, I'd vote for you. So, come on. Like, just buy Lawson's vote. That's right. Buy my vote. What's more important? <laughs> and this is what happens. This is what happens right now. It happens every time there's an election. They're out buying votes left, right, and center. That's right. Bro. And that's what what causes the conditions that the Bible describes happening at the end of time. Dude, because we're about to have an election here in Australia. The UNP, I saw a YouTube ad. They're like, we're canceling all student debt. And I was like... Yeah, <laughs> but then I'm like, that will never happen. Bro. Of course, it won't happen. That is, it will don't, make, don't make promises you can't. Keep. <laughs> That's never going to happen. And, and what kind of a message does that send to young people? Yeah, about responsibility, about personal responsibility. This whole lesson right here is about personal responsibility because God comes to to Cain, oh, and God is is like, you need to take responsibility for your thoughts. You need uh-huh. to take responsibility for your actions. Mm-hmm. You need to take responsibility for your emotions. Yes. Oh, somebody's voting Lawson for president. Oh, powerful. They they can see the truth. If we just did what I want, then everyone president, would be happy, in, but mostly myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and this is a really important lesson that we have in relationship mm-hmm. to Cain right here because yes. cause God's like, why are you angry? Mm-hmm. Okay, if, if, if Cain is going to answer, what's Cain going to say? Why am I angry? Mm. Because God has forced him to stop and think, why, why, why am I? Yeah, his only option is just to admit that he is being ridiculous. Yes, he's being a spoiled child. Yeah. And, you know, this comes down to a question that I've seen come up twice recently on social media. I mean, one of these silly questions where you're supposed to answer it underneath and 
you know, just ridiculousness. And <laughs> it's basic. The question was, um, and I replied the first time I came up because it, it really hit home to me. What can a man say that will make a woman? What is something that a man can say that will make a woman angry? Uh huh. Uh huh. And I just wrote nothing. <laughs> wow. Because are you like implying because, that's her choice? Because if a woman gets angry, she chose to get angry. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's base law. Nothing I can, nothing I can say or do can make you angry. Mm-hmm. I can't make you angry. Only you can choose to be angry. Now, of course, my answer kind of had a double meaning because saying nothing is also equates to the silent treatment, and people can get angry over that as well. But yeah, that's right. That was just the fun side of it. Uh-huh. But the real side of it, and I, and I actually went on to explain afterwards um, why I why I gave that answer. Uh-huh. And that is we have person. You know, every abuser is out there uh-huh. says, you know, um, she made me do it. Uh-huh. He made me do it. Uh-huh. No, they didn't. You know, love made me do it. Oof. No, it didn't. <laughs> Poignant. <laughs> Recent law. <laughs> no, it didn't. Yeah. You chose to. Yeah. And I, I think Love does not make you do these things. Nothing makes you do these things. Mm. If you get angry, it's because you chose to get yeah. angry. Is there a place for anger? Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, I think Jesus got angry. The counterbalancing thing is that that doesn't excuse all behavior. You know, that's just right. to say don't get angry, that doesn't excuse all behavior. And we should, on no, both sides, we should be like doing what we absolutely can to treat others with respect and with love and to, to do what's right, you know. But ultimately, yeah, your own personal emotions. Like, and if someone does something that, you feel angry about well then you can discuss and work it out or get over it or be a human being about it be a human being the work it out like that ultimately work it out and that's exactly what cain decided not Not to to do do. and god warns him god's like you have no reason to be angry this is your choice sin is lying at the door Mm -hmm. and it will destroy you if you let it take over you Mm. you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different come to the end of the show, which means we're about to give something away entirely for no, free. No, we haven't. We've no, come we've come to, to the, the question, question of the day. day. I'm just, I'm wow, just wake up. We have like a head. whole... You, are you ready to answer a question? I am ready to answer a question. But we are going to... Sitting in front of me ready to go. <laughs> That's so funny, too. But before we get into the answer for the question, we're going to have some answers for the quiz question. So for 100 points, the answer was Ant. 200 points, the answer was Raven. 300 points, the answer was Naked. 400 points, it was Elijah. And for 500 points, what was David? using to ask God uh, whether you should pursue the Amalekites, the ephod. But right now it is time for... Question of the day. Right, no, Lyle. No, it's time for end of the show. What no, it's that? time for question of the day, Lyle. And the question is kind of a run on from what was asked yesterday. Part we talked two, about part two, yeah. part two of what we talked about with Easter. Um, and it's in, it's simply this from Kayla. She says, um, in terms of the death and the resurrection of Christ being celebrated at Easter and Easter following a lunar cycle is celebrating the death and resurrection of Christ at Easter at this time. Correct. Okay, so um, the, the the danger we've got right here is falling into the genetic fallacy. And the genetic fallacy works a little bit like this, and that is that if something has bad genes in it, it's bad. Now, you can, you know, so, so let's, let's use a couple of examples of that. You know, some people say, well, you know, I don't practice anything that has pagan origins. 
But if it has pagan oranges, does that automatically make it bad? For instance, we have a 24-hour day, a 12 a day of two parts of 12 hours each. And that's a pagan origin because you've got four divisions of six. This came from ancient Babylon where you had your four, you know, it was basically uh, a celebration of 666 combined with the four different elements of the, that the believe that the universe was made up of. So it comes from witchcraft and we have that 24-hour day to this day. Your whole imperial system of measurement or your standard system of measurement that they use in the United States of feet and inches also originated in ancient Babylon and is a religious system of measurement, and it is a pagan religious system of measurement. Mm. Our months of the year, our days of the week, all have pagan names attached to them. Saturday is after Saturn. Sunday is after the sun god. Monday is after the moon god. You know, And you can go on down through the list. And so when you look at all of these different... Uh, you know, there are so many things in our world today that have pagan origin. If you are going to accept the genetic fallacy that just because something has a pagan origin, then that paganism has infected it, you're going to have to change a lot of things. Now, of course, during the French Revolution, what they tried to do was to do exactly that. They said, we're going to get rid of anything that has a religious origin. And so they brought in the metric system to replace the imperial system because they're like, well, the imperial system, that's paganism, and we don't believe in anything to do with religion, so we will have a metric system, praise God, for the metric system. But they, you know, not all of that metric system stuck. They brought in a metric day, you know, a 10-hour day rather than a 12-hour day, which hasn't stuck. But most of the metric system has stuck, and most parts of the world have moved over to it. It is a much better system. But that was the reason why they actually got rid of the 24-hour day, and the seven-day week. They got rid of the seven-day week as well because they said that's religious. It only comes from mm. Christianity, Judeo-Christianity. And Paul, you know, once again we mentioned this yesterday, he addresses the genetic fallacy directly in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. He's got a whole chapter on it where he talks about the issue and gives us an example of food offered to idols. And uh, um, just to, to, to pull out the nuts and bolts of it, as concerning, therefore, the eating of those things that are offered in sacrifice to idols, we know that an idol is nothing. And there is none other God but one. Uh, but there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, we, we in him. Howbeit there is not in every man this knowledge, for some with conscience of the idol under this hour eat it as a thing offered unto an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. And so Paul makes it very, very clear right here, it's just food. Mm. You know, With the hours of the day, it's just a time period. Mm. arbitrarily assigned by human beings. The names of the week is just a name. You know, I've got a, I've got a friend whose name is Muhammad. He is a Christian. He is a pastor. That doesn't make him Muslim because he has been named after with a, a Muslim name. That's just, mm. that's just the name that he has. It's just a name. And so once again with Easter, it's just a public holiday. And if we use that public holiday to remember the birth of, sorry, not the birth, but the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, there is nothing wrong with that. Mm. The Bible doesn't command us to do so. But what you do find is in society this is something that is widely recognized and uh, this is something that we should not ignore. This is a time when we can talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in a way that we can't talk about at other times. It doesn't have the same power as Christmas does, which, by the way, is just as pagan in its origin. Yeah. Uh but it does give us an opportunity. And 
I will use any opportunity I can to share Jesus with people. And if Easter is going to give me that opportunity, I'll use it. Mm. If I can have an Easter service at my church and invite people along who only go to church for an Easter service, then I will do that. And I will get them there once a year because God willing by getting them there once a year, I'll be able to get them there more often than that. Mm. So there's a couple of thoughts in relationship to the dangers of the genetic fallacy and not falling into it in relationship to some of these issues. So it is time for question of the day. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> what? Lyle, wake up. <laughs> yeah, might have things a little bit backwards this morning, but that's okay. That's right. We can do another question of the day if you want. <laughs> Show should have pushed the button. That would be really funny. You talk faith, live faith, act faith. You will grow strong in Jesus Christ. for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.